The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Jill, obviously. It's nice to be back. Um, I haven't been on a, on a live show for quite some time. Uh, last week's show was pre-recorded. And uh, so this is the first show I'm doing live from the west coast of the U.S., uh, close to Seattle. So I would say, welcome back. Thank you very much for listening. I'm very happy again to, to be here today. Um, lots of things going on in, in our lives. Um, I understand it's, it's our lives. I'm talking about my family life here, and that's just fine. And uh, the, the topic of the show today um, was about one week without uh, connection, and obviously meant um, internet connection. So... We moved into a new place about a, about a week ago. It was last Wednesday. It was obviously completely empty. We had to set up everything, buy furniture and things like this. So I'm not going to give you too many details about that you don't need to know, I guess. It's just, uh, it's just the feeling that I, what I was talking about last week, the feeling of moving up into, moving into um, something which is brand new in a sense, something that you start pretty much from scratch. And uh, that's it. On one hand, it's exciting. Uh, I wanted to talk about this today at the same time, you know, make the connection, connection again, with, uh, you know, moving into a new job or moving into a new relationship, moving into uh, whatever. You know, there's many events in our lives that gives us, give us a chance to, to start anew and, and hopefully to, to gain a new perspective on life. By it could be by adding something, it could be also by removing something. I've been talking for quite some time, I think, early on in the show this January, February, about the concept uh, from Meg Whitley about, you know, walking out and walking in. And uh, I think that works very well for a job, a job that no longer suits you or possibly that never suits you. And then you decide to, to walk out, to say goodbye, because you've had enough and uh, you may have had enough of that misery. Uh, depends how you look at it. I mean, maybe it's good money, but uh, you feel miserable because it's not your calling. Or it's, not, um, it's not what you're meant to do. Other people are not as friendly as you would hope. And like the, the environment at work is not as nurturing or 
let's say you would like to work in the non-for-profit uh, sector and you ended up for whatever reason uh, in a corporate sector. And I think the, the culture, the ambiance, the, the atmosphere uh, can be very, very different. And again, it, it's a question of what do we need to, to nurture and nourish our lives? And, and sometimes we need just a brand new place, uh, physically speaking, I mean. And um, that's where we found our, find ourselves now. Um, again, a, a location on the west coast of the U.S., not too far from Seattle. Uh, good weather. It's supposed to rain a lot, but it's August, so we don't get as much rain. Uh, it's fairly cool also at night. I think it goes down below 68 uh, Fahrenheit or 20 Celsius, which is really a blessing. You know, when you think about um, the humidity on the, on the east coast, I mean, it's pretty draining, uh, we've had that for a long, long time, and um, with no air conditioning or just a box. And uh, here in Washington State, we don't need any of that. So there, there's little benefits. I mean, the weather is one thing. I'm, I'm not saying it's the most important thing. Um, I think it's, you know, at least what I needed in my life is some, uh, what I would call some freshness, you know, some, um, a new departure yet, but um, freshness in a sense that I can start anew. I can make new footprints in the earth in a sense, both uh, literally and figuratively speaking. It's, um, I could sense that for the past three or four years in my case, I've been a bit, um, a bit sluggish, you know, a bit slow. Uh, I could tell I was coming to the end of something, at least professionally speaking. I couldn't see myself working in the field of uh, cross-cultural relations anymore. I had been there for 20 years. and It, it was a question of walking out. It's a question of, um, you know, I was wearing a suit, a pretty nice suit, uh, if you want to think about it. And I was doing interesting work, you know, very... Um, I would, I would say very subtle in the sense that, you know, when you talk about culture and cultural understanding, there's not one side fits all. It's all a question of people in the first place and then institutions and corporate cultures and, and national cultures. And when sometimes people ask questions, there's, you know, what gets into the picture is very is varied and it comes from very different perspectives. You know, what is part of the person's personality, what is the culture of the person, what is the national culture, what is the corporate culture. So it was a very, uh, a very delicate balance uh, to find. And I think it's, it's easier to bring answers when you do one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, which I've been doing also with mostly expatriates moving from one country to another, uh, from Europe to the US or the reverse. And uh, again, that's something very practical. But when you do a corporate training and you're only one side, of the, one side of the coin, in a sense, in the room, let's say you do training about Germany and France and you're in the U.S. with your U.S. colleagues or U.S. colleagues, and um, you don't have the feedback, you don't have the perspective of uh, Germany and France, and you know that things are going on and some of the things going on are not very pleasant, you know, there's maybe lack of response and things like this. So... Again, I've been doing this for 20 years, and um, that worked well. That worked well at the, at the very beginning. I had a lot of things to explore, ex including exploring myself, 
there's a, there's a concept in the field of that's where we're supposed to start called cultural self-awareness, you know, realizing the extent to which culture uh, molds us, you know, a family culture. I mentioned that quite a few times already, but I think it's very important. Self-awareness, you know, know thyself is extremely important. I mean, there's the spiritual, but there's also the, what I said, the cultural conditioning. What is coming from your family, from your parents, from your siblings? What is coming from the schools? What is coming from the institutions? Uh, what is coming from society? The legal system is varies from one country to the other. There's things you can do and don't do, I mean, because of the laws of the land. And um, one example come to mind, but... Um, the Good Samaritan Law in the U.S., I guess, which is... Uh, and so, you know, they have to take all these things into consideration. And I did, to the best of my ability for, for 20 years, designing trainings and, uh, and then training people and following up whenever necessary. I mean, again, again it's, it's nice. It was nice. Again, I mentioned quite a bit also this, this idea of, of the, the relationship versus the achievement. And I tend to be more, it's, it's my personal thing, it's also my cultural thing. Uh, France tends to be more of a relationship-oriented culture. If you don't have a relationship, it's very hard to work with someone or it's very hard to do something. And there's, there's a lot of ways in France to bypass you know, the, the rules. The rules are set in place, but then they are easily, usually easily maneuverable, maneuverable and, and, and movable. But you have to know the tricks. And how you know and learn the tricks is by getting to know people who tell you about the tricks. And so the relationships are, are essential. In some cultures, um, it's different. And um, one example that comes to mind, you know, it, it's all about the culture. It's all about a new place as well. But I've been assembling quite a bit of furniture in the past week. And some of it came from Ikea, so Swedish and some of it came from Office Depot, so more American, sometimes Chinese. And just the way they give instructions varies from one manufacturer to the other. And I could possibly, you know, uh, assume or infer that some of it is cultural. IKEA gives very little, very little instructions. They are not very detailed. And it's only pictures. So you have to really rack your brain on trying to put things into the right angle, into the right perspective until you find the way it works. And I've made a couple of mistakes. I mean, nothing fatal. We still have a bed to sleep and uh, a bed stand on the sofa. But yesterday I assembled, uh, I think it was a US made, US made printer stand to go along with a desk. And uh, interestingly, there were, there were pictures and there were instructions written, written instructions step by step, which to me is much more American. And after assembling quite a few IKEA things, I didn't need the instructions, the, the, the written instructions. But yet they were very useful. And I still goof somehow, I guess. So what I'm saying here is like, you know, the, the way we, we function in the world, it goes back to this principle or this concept of of self-awareness and of, of spelunking as well. We, we have to explore the way we function in the world. We have to explore the way we react, the way we feel, the way we think. And I think I've been doing that in the first, uh, I guess, I think it was month, uh, February and March, months two and three. 
And it's very, it's very important to get to know oneself. Uh, it's important in relation to the people you are interactive with. But it's important also in relation to, to getting to know yourself and changing the things you want to know. Um, the things you want to improve, sorry. And um, so it's like, a, it's like a hodgepodge in a sense. So many things coming into place. And um, human beings can be very complex. You know, it's just not a question of, of pushing a button and getting a person to work. It would be maybe too easy. And I'm saying this with a child. We have a five-year-old at home, and, and when he doesn't want to do something, it's, you know, there's different ways. There's the more masculine way of trying to force the child to do something or threatening him, you know, if you don't do this, I'm going to withdraw that from you. You won't be able to watch that video tonight. And there's the more feminine way of, of trying to reason the child and trying to explain to him why you need this uh, and what is this for. And I, and I think it's um, talking about, about this concept about the feminine and the masculine and the way of doing things, again, more of the affiliation versus the achievement. Uh, I think time and time pressure comes into the picture at least uh, with our son, there's time, you know, when we need to rush out of the house. I'm sure that happens to many parents, many people. And we can't wait another five minutes for him to finish watching his video. And, and that's a fact of life. You know, this morning I struggled also to be ready on time. You know, the, here the show is at 12 noon Pacific. And it's what we call in English a hard deadline. You know, if I'm late, I'm late and, uh, and I can't be late. And I know that. And, and this morning, going back to the title of the, of the show, we got our internet connection back. A guy from Comcast came to visit. And of course, he couldn't find the place. So he called me uh, to wait 10 minutes. I went outside to make sure that he would see me and I'm good because he was driving down. He was driving south along, along the road and he, you know, he wasn't slowing down. And then I waved at him and he saw me. And in the end, you know, talking about time pressure, uh, we wasted about, we lost, you know, so many words to describe time when it comes to an achievement culture. We lost about 15 minutes, which is not the end of the world. You know, I am here. And I was on time this morning. I was maybe one minute early. Uh, but yet, you know, things are building up. They are building up in our lives. And, and I think again that they are building up for a reason. Uh, it may be a question of managing stress, knowing that once the guy was gone, I had many more things to do. I had to clean up and do some more things about my family. Uh, I had to test a new internet connection. Uh, it was set up for the desktop, but not for the other devices. So a lot of things coming into the picture. And usually when time is at a, at a crunch, you know, when you don't have so much time, that's when things do not so work very well. And... Um, and I know what it is, and I just have to, in a sense, to, to play with it. So, that's the way life is. And, uh, what I wanted to say also, um, in terms of, um, in terms of playing with time pressure and playing with stress, uh, we all have stress in our life. 
I think it's an inevitable uh, part of life. And um, I believe we have to learn how to manage it as much as possible. It's not a question of uh, we have to do things. We have deadlines, fortunately and unfortunately. And we have to, um, to meet those deadlines sometimes, you know, like the show, there's no, no way around it. But um, I think what really matters is what, at least in my case, over the years, what really matters is the way I relate to stress internally. You know, what, what goes on, the scenario that goes on, you know, something happens like the guy being 15 minutes late this morning. And does my mind take me into those drama and, and you know, what I call a kind of failure scenario or scenario? Uh, that has happened so many times, at least, not maybe not recently, but I know that pattern. You know, the mind goes and he said, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And it's not like it's coming from within. It's coming from possibly a different part of your mind that is trying to give you trouble, and trying to maybe to test you or trying to whatever to give you some training but um, again I think it's a question of possibly training and taming that voice within so that the message eventually gets more and more silent to the point that um, you don't receive those messages those alarm messages those you know you're going to fail you're not going to make it I'm sure you all know what it's all about. And uh, I get them also fairly often in very different uh, situations, you know, when something important comes up. And this morning, obviously, I was concerned. And I was, I was pressed for time, and, and the guy was pretty good, pretty, uh, I would say, pretty relationship-oriented. We discussed a bit uh, about where we came from. And uh, very interestingly enough, you know, something very mystical. He moved to the area four weeks ago from Texas. And we moved to the area four weeks ago from New Jersey. So we came from two different parts of, this, of, the, of, the, of the country for different reasons. He came for work, essentially. He had a work uh, contract here with uh, Comcast. But it's very interesting that um, we are both like uh, immigrants, in a sense, to the state of Washington. And um, I find this, you know, it's not even synchronicity because... I, don't, I hope we're not going to have much to do with each other, I guess. If I have a problem, I would have to call him on his cell. He said he's very much uh, available and, and happy to answer any question. But um, I find that, you know, you, you see things. You take it as a sign. This one is not a very important sign that is, I think is important for my life and uh, that's going to lead me to something special. But you have, you know, more bits and pieces that come along the way. And um, I've been putting some of these pieces together since, especially since the beginning of the year. And um, my plan here, even though I don't know exactly what it entails, is to put many more pieces together. So one way to describe it, one way to approach it is, is uh, you know, to talk about the puzzles of uh, the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle of our lives. And what does it mean to assemble the puzzle? It seems to be much more challenging than assembling IKEA furniture. And yet, I think it's much more mystical. It's much more spiritual. So I will leave you before the break with this idea of assembling the puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle of our life. And I will, uh, I will dovetail on that um, 
when we come back. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Welcome back. Thank you very much for, for listening and for being here today. I, I appreciate I'm looking at the sky. It's a pretty nice day today, a bit sunny, but again, not so, not so hot as compared to the East Coast. So I take in the environment. I, I send a gratitude for being here in a new, I will almost say a new world, like 2,700 miles away from where I used to be five weeks ago. And I'm, I'm trying to reflect a bit, you know, what, what is this move all about? There's the move, I think I, I mentioned that last week. I mentioned uh, the physical dimension, obviously, moving with a family of um, the three of us. Um, the geographical, I think, which is important to me, I mean... Uh, the Northwest feels like a nice place to be. I mean, to us, we were considering, you know, different places, and it was either staying on the East Coast, and where on the East Coast, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Or the West Coast. And the West Coast, you don't have many choices in terms of states. You know, you have three choices. California, Oregon, and, um, and Washington. And... Um, we took a trip about two years ago. We were exploring Washington for a few days, four or five days. Oregon, same time, four or five days, and then Colorado, four or five days as well. And we got a different, uh, you know, a different impression. It was the middle of July. 
It was extremely hot in Colorado, very dry heat. Uh, we were not far from um, Fort Collins, so the, the northern part of the state. Not too far from the Rocky Mountains. And usually you get a feel for a place. I don't know if that ever happened to you, but you know, there, there's a... I think the energy supports um, who you are and what you want to do. And we did, I didn't feel that the energy of the mountains was very good. And I had a, a truly mystical experience that I mentioned on my blog. I was thinking about, a, I will tell that experience because it was very unusual. Again, two years ago in July 2013 in, in Colorado. And um, I was thinking about a friend of mine at night. We were in a hotel room. And I was in a chair next to the, the window in the back of the room. And I was doing my... Um, my evening meditation, you know, trying to go within and, and, you know, see what's there and see what's, what wants to, what wants to connect, what wants to talk. This is the kind of, of meditation I do these days. You know, I don't chant anymore. I used to chant nam myo renge kyo and it was an extremely powerful practice that I'm very grateful for. But that ended and then my meditations tend to be more, more, you know, varied, more, more about different things. And that night I went within and um, I listened. And usually I, t- I tend to get, when I, when I do meditation, I tend to get images coming to, coming to the fore, coming to my mind. And that night a friend of mine came to the fore. And... Um, It was interesting, you know, nothing really special. I was thinking about her. It's a, a woman. And um, nice things about her, you know, how we connected and things like this. And I don't know how long it lasted, maybe five, ten minutes, but um, it was fine. And I kind of said goodbye to her, and I finished my meditation and then went to bed. And then the next morning when I can, you know, when the situation uh, allows for it, I try to get up early in the morning and, and meditate again. Again, it's not always possible. And that, that morning, the next day, I sat in the same chair. And I listened again. I listened to what wanted to come. And mystically, what happened that morning, I saw that friend, that friend that I was talking about and talking to the night before. I saw in a cocoon of love. I saw in a cocoon of love. It was so mystical. And um, maybe she needed some, you know, some healing, or maybe she needed some, some nurturance. Um, I don't know exactly why she came to mind. I mean, I was talking to one of my spiritual guides, Master Dwal, and he said he, he kind of initiated the process, but... Um, when you go like this into a meditation and you, you offer yourself to the universe and there's a response, usually there's a response because of a need, a need, someone has a need. And, and I'd assume that mystically or karmically or spiritually speaking, we're able to connect, you know, across the waves. And um, it was very beautiful. It was very, you know, the, the ha-ha moment, the, 
the mystical thing about it is to, to, to see that person in the morning when I sat down in a cocoon of love and I could see the cocoon fairly well. You know, again, it's a question of seeing images in my case. Some people hear words or some people get, I don't know what kind of uh, messages they get. I don't hear words, I see images. And uh, that really blew my mind in a sense. You know, it, it's a different form of communication as well. And, uh, and that was the end of it. Now, there were so many signs at the same time for four or five days in, uh, in Colorado, signs about love. And um, we went to a place called Love Land, I think, uh, at the foot of the mountains, uh, on, the way to, um, on the way to Rocky, National, Rocky Mountains National Park. And I think there was a sign when we drove off the airport on the way to Fort Collins, right by the highway, there was a sign about love. I don't remember exactly what it says. I think I mentioned that in my blog, in my, in my post. But there was a sign about love. And um, in Loveland also, we passed by a restaurant that has some, something to do with love. And I thought to myself, you know, there were more than one sign. There were like at least five, six, seven signs all about love. And this, you know, this poignant experience about seeing my, car, my friend in a, in a cocoon of love. And I thought to myself, you know, what is this all about? You know, spelunking again, you know, you go within and you ask. And um, what I find very interesting, you know, um, despite all these experiences about love, uh, we decided against Colorado and the, 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 the decision was fairly easy. You know, I didn't feel right in that place. And yet there was such a warm... Uh, not so much of a welcome, but something else, you know, some, something very fuzzy, something very um, intuitive in a sense. I was able to intuit so many things, and it's not by accident or by chance that I saw so many signs, received is a better way to put it, so many signs about love. And again, is it about my path? Is it a message for me that I need to deepen something? It's been two years, and I haven't had a chance to either go back to Colorado or reflect on that experience and I'm doing it live today and so um, it's a good experience thank you very much so all of this to say that I was um, we were in Colorado two years ago uh, a place that feels very felt or feels very mystical again I had a I mentioned that also earlier in the show um, those experiences in, in Breckenridge last October so it seems that every time I come to Colorado, something deep happens, something that takes me real within. And, and I think there that the, the mountains or something about the environment becomes an, an accomplice, you know, someone that helps me deepen something, something else helps me go within and helps me um, enlarge myself. Or, you know, I'm bigger because of of something and I'm sure you may have some special places in your life where you go to get refreshed again it could be a simple place in your house like a quiet place an altar a place where you have a few things that you cherish a few pictures of your parents family and friends um, 
but it could be something else. It could be a very special place. And definitely, I think it's, it's, it's a place you can go to uh, for inspiration. And I would, um, I would do that. I would do that. I didn't have any special place in New Jersey in terms of, uh, in terms of nature. But I remember some, spending some time in, um, in an abode in the state, uh, within the, by the border of the states of New York and Massachusetts. It was a Sufi retreat center. And I went there three times for different kinds of retreats. Uh, I think two retreats, one I was attending, one I organized. At the time I was into community building and we had a community building retreat. Um, not very successful. A small group of about 10 people who were expecting at least 20 to break even. So we lost money. The weekend was a mess. You know, and there's things happening in your life, in our lives. And then we question. I think I question, you know. I think this happened in that very situation, the, the weekend workshop we organized because it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And at the time, in 2005, 2006, I was very much into this concept of building communities. And again, I was into this, this form of, um, you know, getting into the, the feminine energy, the relationship. And I, was, I had read a book by Scott Peck, um, not the world less travel, another one, when he talked about, about community. And he was a, a, gifted, uh, a gifted community builder, and he inspired me. And uh, it's interesting, I started doing, um, or getting into the field right after he passed away, in, I think in August or September of 2005. And uh, I'm very grateful because this wasn't specifically my path. I'm talking about my path, I guess, for a good reason. And uh, this wasn't specifically my path, but I went through that part of the path for a reason. I couldn't tell exactly what I learned, but... I was in a stage in my life where I wanted more community. Community for myself, community for my family, possibly. Community for where I was living, or community for the world. And I think there was something calling in my life. And for the next um, four years, I believe, yes, four to, f four to five years, I was attending workshops in very similar um, person context called the art of hosting again very community very community oriented you know a lot of group activities everybody sitting in a circle which is what I like you know we, we gather in a circle the way uh, our Indian ancestors did and a um, lot of things coming a lot of revelations coming and um, I mentioned that earlier on in, uh, in the show, I think of the very first show. But um, this is where, where I was, was I, sorry, when I was attending the second uh, Art of Hosting workshop in 2007 in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, that's where the, the revelations about leading the Buddhist organization came to me. So I think there's some magic, you know, the, the, way, universe, the way the universe worked with me and my family in Colorado two years ago, I think, works in very many different ways. But the universe, you know, works just as well in a group. 
and the wisdom that is getting harnessed or nurtured or harvested in a, in a collective like this, in a collective uh, session like this is, is unbelievable. And um, I could tell that in 2007, the workshop I attended was you know, quite magic. I mean, again, it's, it's like a, a very specific landmark on my path, you know, something I always go back to in case I need inspiration or in case I need to, uh, to move forward. This was a key moment. This was a, a key moment for freeing myself and starting to fly on my own. And um, it was a beautiful time. And then I went on to attend a few more of those workshops. Um, 2008, 2009, 2010 was the last one. That year we went to, as a group, we went to Halifax in Nova Scotia. And there was quite a bit of learning. And within a group of 30, 35 people, there were three of us colleagues. And we were thinking of designing something around the concept of art of hosting across cultures. And it could have worked, I think, just beautifully. But again, I don't think it was my path because things just didn't go well. And in 2011, the year after, we tried to run some pilots. There was a pilot training and then some more conference calls and some more meetings. And um, the feedback we got from you know, colleagues or friends who were attending our conference calls that, you know, what is this all about? We don't, we don't get the idea. We don't get the concept. And maybe there was a concept, but not for me. And that's what I'm saying when I said that the universe works in wonderful ways. It will let you know, you know, when things are not what they are supposed to be. They are not part of your path. And again, I think it's very important to be able to discern what is part of your path and the reason why it's coming to cross your path. The kind of events, the kind of people. Some people are there. The people in the art of hosting were very, uh, very homely, you know, very heart, uh, heartwarming people. I would hug quite a few of them, men and women. Uh, very open, you know, not into culture and cultural things. Not especially spiritual, but good people, people you want to be with. And yet, in 2010, I realized, you know, this is the end of it. The same it was the end of Buddhism for me in 2007. I realized in 2010, you know, this is not my path. I learned, I got the nourishment that I needed over these four or five years. And now it's time to move on into something. And I had nothing, nothing in front of me except a, a business which wasn't doing so well and except the same kind of work which wasn't nourishing me at the time. And so I had to open myself to what would come, what would come next. And when I think about it, when I think about this juncture, which was a juncture but not a specific moment in time, you know, like starting 2010, 11, and it seemed nothing was coming. Nothing was moving. I wouldn't even call it a stalemate or a setback. It's just that, you know, something need to be, needed to be uh, 
the French word that comes to mind is enclenché, you know, something that needs to be hooked up, like a gear, when you want to move from first to second gear or fourth to fifth, uh, if you're driving with a manual shift. And that had, you know, needed some time. Maybe I needed some oiling, some, some, some prepping. Um, a lot of things needed to get into the picture. Uh, and I realized that. But uh, what I'm saying is like when you think or feel that nothing is coming, it's, um, it's very difficult to wait because you're looking for signs and there may be some small signs, but not really any big sign. So I will leave you this, uh, this notion of, of you know, looking for signs in our lives and, and see what, where those signs are taking us. And I will see you again in a few, in a couple of minutes after the, after the break. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Thank you very much for listening and for being here today. Sunny day again in, uh, in Washington State. It's a bit more sunny than it was 20 minutes ago. I guess the temperature is rising. It's uh, 12.45 p.m. So again, I have to adjust to the time, especially when I deal with Europe. Um, nine hours away, so it's, um, it's the way it is. And I was talking right before the break um, 
about this notion, um, you know, looking for signs in our, in our lives. I think the spiritual path can be very subtle and sometimes it can have more, I would say, forceful signs or, you know, things that come knocking at your door and uh, they can look pretty loud. And it can be a new relationship, for instance, a new business relationship that can change your life. You know, I was contacted out of the blue uh, last fall by the CEO of um, Voice America. And he said, you know, would you like to do a show for us? And um, the idea sounded quite interesting. And I did some research about Voice America and these things and talked to some colleagues. And then eventually put me in touch with uh, an executive director and then we got going, uh, put together a proposal. So, you know, some, uh, some things happening, knocking at, your, at our door, uh, can be life-transforming. It can be, can be showing us um, the path, or the path, the further, further along the path, can open up a new, a new breach, a new, a new direction, definitely a new direction in the path. And that's what happened to me last fall. And now we're, we're moving, you know, that's, that's another question I have in the back of my mind. You know, is, why is it that we moved? Um, there's, you know, there's the area, there's the, the culture, the atmosphere, the weather, uh, but there's much more than that. I, I can sense it, and yet I can't touch it. I can't touch it with my finger, but I, it's a very interesting sensation, very interesting feeling that I think I have to scratch something, you know, to find what's when you're scratching something to, to see if you won the lottery or whatever. You have to scratch the, the gum on top, you know, the glue on top. Uh, it's a bit like that. Obviously, it's going to go much deeper and it's not glue on top of my life. But um, I sense that, you know, something else will happen, something that will um, take me a bit further along the path and, and certainly a bit, uh, a bit deeper. Um, I really thought my time in New Jersey was up. I spent 21 years in New Jersey. It's, uh, it's just almost as much as I spent in France growing up. I spent 23 years in France growing up and then left for Africa. Well, I stayed about almost three years, twice, twice 19 months, 20 months. And so, again, I think it's, it's part of the spelunking. It's good to ask questions and, and, and to look or long for what belongs to us, in a sense, what is really part of our path. And, and again, some things, some people will come, will knock, and they are not part of our paths. And it's, it's really up to us to have the wisdom. It's really up to us to use our discernment, discernment uh, to find out if it's the right person or the right path, the right activity. And so um, I will be looking out. I will be longing for something. The, the reason I'm using the word longing is because I received a very nice poem yesterday in my mailbox. And I posted that on my blog, nurturingthegiftofseeking.org. And it's a poem from one of my favorite authors, Rainer Maria Rilke. Uh, there's a, 
Austrian poet who lived in the, at the end of the 19th century, and his poems are very, um, very meaningful and very sometimes a bit cryptic, you know. And the one I received that I'm going to read to you is called All Will Come Again. And it makes me wonder, what is it going to come again? You know, what is about to come again? So it reads as follows. All will come again. Into its strength. The fields undivided. The waters undammed. The trees towering and the walls built low. And in the valleys, people as strong and varied as the land. And no churches where God is imprisoned and lamented like a trapped and wounded animal. The houses welcoming all, all would knock, and a sense of boundless offering in all relations and in you and me. No yearning for an afterlife, no looking beyond, no belittling of death, but only longing for what belongs to us and serving earth, lest we remain unused. Again, it's Rainer Myra Maria Rilke. Beautiful poem again. And I, I could see that, you know, I got not stuck, but my eyes were glued on the last three, the last sentence, but last, last three portions of the last sentence. But only longing for what belongs to us and serving earth, lest we remain unused. And I thought the timing with me was, you know, just fine, just good. When I think or try to think and try to explore the reason why we moved here, again, I'm not talking about the geographical, the physical, or the work-related reasons. I'm looking at the, the bigger picture, you know, setting up the framework for what is next to come. That's, that's what is of interest to me. Uh, maybe a new cocoon, you know, that would come to mind or come to, to my life, a new, a new growth spur, a new growth shell. And no looking beyond, no belittling of death, but only longing for what belongs to us and serving earth, lest we remain unused. And this is very, you know, again, very telling. It's very much uh, talking to me in a sense that... Uh, do we want to remain unused? Is it our goal in life to remain unused? Or is it our goal, our purpose, to find the reason why we are here? And, you know, if you listen to the intro to the show, the one you can find on the page, I mean, I'm using the words of uh, Ramana Maharshi. And he says more or less, I'm going to paraphrase, but... Um, what the world needs most is people who self-actualize, you know, people who actualize all their potential and their purpose. And they, in a sense, they fulfill 
they fulfill their purpose for coming onto the earth. And um, that's what I'm hoping to do. And so, and so that's what I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to. And um, I believe it should be, um, should be a goal for any one of us. And, and that's you know, one of the reasons for this show, to encourage people to go within and to look at why, to look at why, at what lies beyond the surface, and to look at what is driving us in our lives. Suddenly, there's the material side, which is important. We have to feed our families. We have to, you know, get a paycheck, and 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 so many more things we need to do on the material side. I'm not saying anything against that, but uh, I'm more talking about the spiritual. You know, that's where. That's where the purpose comes into, into the picture. And um, so that's the question I will be, um, I will be cherishing for, for quite some time, I'm sure. I will um, certainly keep you posted about what happens. And um, I need to go into my cave. I need to go into my cave, my spelunking cave. And um, trying to find out. I don't think the response will come all at once. I was talking, you know, not so long ago today about the, the pieces of the puzzle. And so some of the pieces come. And then, you know, when you make a puzzle, you have to see in the first place if they fit or where do they fit. Do they fit in the upper left corner or the bottom right corner? And it's, it's a bit of what... I've been doing, and I think I mentioned quite a few times that things have sped up, sped up quite a bit since the beginning of the year. So many new connections, mostly virtual, and a lot of Facebook connections, you know. So I'm very grateful for this tool, this social media tool. It allows me to, to promote my show. I put together an invitation every week. And um, a lot of things can happen. Virtually speaking, you know, I don't, I don't see many, um, I would say, many soul-like people on, on a daily basis. People who do similar work or do people who are into light work, you know. I think we use that expression of light worker and light work. But I'm in touch with so many of them on Facebook. And it's a good way to connect. There is obviously so much to read and so much to do that it's impossible to do everything. But at the same time, you know, having everything coming into your computer or your smartphone is a very convenient, uh, convenient thing. And it allows me, in a sense, to, to close the loop and to go back to the title of this uh, show, One Week Without Connection. And in my mind, you know, I was going, I didn't discuss that so much, but I was going to discuss also this idea of taking things and people for granted. So this is a question I will leave you with. Uh, what are the things we are taking for granted? We are taking for granted the fact that internet works. And if it doesn't work, we are stuck. And we have to find another way to hook up 
and send our messages and check our emails and whatever else we need to do. And there are so many other things in the material arena that we need to do and consider. But then what about people? You know, who are the people that we are taking for granted? And in what respect? How do we take them for granted? And what does that say about ourselves? You know, if we take our spouses, if we take our children, if we take our parents for granted, what does that mean? I think it's very much, and that will be like my last few words, it's very much part of this unexplored you know, process that things go into the autopilot and then we do things and we consider people for what they are because we've built a relationship or because we've been with them for all our lives in case of our parents or spouse for a very long time, some time. And I think there's maybe a time when we need to stop, reflect and possibly reinvent ourselves. I would say press the refresh button. So that's what I would like to encourage you to do this week, is to, ref to push the refresh button and think about anything that you would like to. I mean, please go into your cave, your spelunking cave, and, and do some refresh. Thank you very much, and have a, have a good week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.